We good? Yeah. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Agitator Podcast. My name is J. David Osborne. That is Kelby Losack, and we have a guest with us today. Introduce yourself, guest. Scrant Womack. I'm trying to see what what the hell do I do these days? Do music management, writer, retired rapper. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And Takashi Amike fan. Hell yeah. That is good because this is a Takashi Miike podcast. It's a weird coincidence that that you'd be on this show. It's crazy. I just stumbled into this place. Yeah. That's crazy that we just bumped into you like this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey. Fancy seeing you here. So, um, we might be hearing some strange noises on the podcast this time, which is a departure from our normal show, which is kind of crisply edited and, you know, sounds very NPR studio quality. Um, Kelby, what are you what are you doing? Where's all this noise coming from? Well, I quit my job. I'm on my way to San Antonio to do some work. Why did you quit your job? <laughs> because working for somebody else is retarded. That sucks. And I just realized that all the work I put into doing it for somebody else, if I just did, if I just put all that effort into myself, then I could come up with somebody every month. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Grant? You work for yourself, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I definitely support the independent grind. You know, independent David, independent Kelby. You know, I'm an independent man. What do man. you, what do um, you do for money? Uh, I mean, it's a bunch of things. So obviously, you know, I do some tarot readings here and there. Um, I help my girl with her business, and then uh, music management too. Um, mm-hmm. that's kind of like the main thing I'm trying to build up right now so and yeah working what for is, myself basically what does that entail what does music management entail it's a lot of meetings a lot of being on the phone with random people trying to dodge scammers every other mm-hmm. week in the emails um, I had like a fake DJ drama hit me up last week talking about he's putting together an album of independent artists and I was like when has DJ Drama ever done this you know it's not even a good lie so right and if was was the email address from DJ Drama yeah I mean it was an obvious it was like DJ Drama 2k 1111 or some shit right, it's kind of right, like right, that's right, obviously right. not DJ Drama's email <laughs> see that see that's the big thing it that's like be. when you get a spam email and it's like hello this is barack obama and i'm you know asking for donate it's like barack obama wouldn't email me right <laughs> <laughs> so it's a mess so yeah it's just a lot of uh meetings and then trying to plan out rollouts and be at music video shoots and be places and it's a lot of crazy shit. Like, I had to drive to uh, Joshua Tree. I don't know if you know about Joshua Tree in Cali. Um, mm-hmm. For a music video in a vintage car. And the car broke down, and I couldn't drive it back. And it was just so fucking hectic. Like, I had to keep putting gas in the car. There was no AC in the damn thing. It was like six hours away. Nightmare, you know. But these are the things I do as a manager to make things happen you know that's, that's so. awesome that's what's up dude yeah no i uh i support the independence of all of my friends and that we're doing things 
on our own and I don't even know how many people I know now who work a regular job even because I'm even thinking about my friends here everybody runs their own business um everybody's kind of in business for themselves so it's the wave of the future man this episode of the podcast, we are talking about Takashi Miike's 2019 film, First Love. Um, great. It was 1989. <laughs> I was waiting, I was, I was pausing for you to put that joke in there. I was like, where's Kobe at? So when Grant decided that we were going to watch this movie, I thought to myself, oh, okay, that's fine. Like, it's not my, not my favorite. But actually, upon watching it a second time, the whole thing played a lot better for me. So I was wondering before we get into the plot and some of the fun stuff about the movie, what y'all two's um, impressions of the movie were. Kelby could start, you know. Uh, it was really hyped up for like American audiences. I don't know what the story is there, but it was like trying to be this big uh, overseas thing. And uh, it was considered this like Tarantino-esque roller coaster ride or whatever, and um, you know I'd already seen like twenty DJ before it, and so I'm not coming to it like a virgin. <laughs> and uh, that might have been detrimental to my enjoyment of it the first time because there was all the hype that was weirdly like it's not Tarantino-esque at all in my opinion. I don't understand that. No, I agree with you on that. Yeah, it was, it was like hyped in the wrong way. And then I had my own expectations from PK coming to it. So in the end, I was like, I mean, I guess that was okay. But then watching it a second time, knowing that the first time I thought it was just okay, I was actually like, it's actually pretty fucking good. Like, it's got a ton of memorable moments that I forgot part of this movie yeah i mean i didn't know what to expect coming into it i was a little worried you know as directors get older sometimes they i'm not gonna say they get worse but they get weird in the wrong way but i didn't really know what to think i thought it looked kind of cool um you know i've boxed on and off the last few years so i was like let me see this young boxer movie but i watched it about three times now i was high every single time i watched this the first two times i did fall asleep unfortunately <laughs> and it's not a hit to the movie i just got too high you know so i want people to understand that but the third time like last night when i watched it again you know the first couple times i was like is it too boring is it just too slow pace for me and i was like there's some weird elements here and there but i didn't really get too far where i felt like a little disappointed and i kind of get what kelby saying too where it's kind of like uh it's kind of okay but then i feel like the second act and especially the third act you know mike's crazy outrageous shit really comes in because i was worried none of that was really going to happen because it is so you know it's a build 
over the course of the uh, movie, you know. But personally, I really loved it. It was actually, I was like, wow, this is actually a really fun, cool movie. You know, I definitely recommend it and watch it again. So, When you get high, are you eating gummy bears or smoking? So, you know, I prefer indica, number one, and pre-rolls. So been smoking a lot of pre-rolls, and I combine it with a gummy edible to enhance and expand the high. So very, very amazing combo for anyone who smokes, but doesn't smoke that much. So yeah, my high lasts a lot longer, but sometimes if I smoke too much with the edible, it's just not going to, uh, you know, I pass out. You ever get paranoid? No, I don't really get paranoid. I do feel like a couple times, like there was one time, I was walking my dog and I put some resin, some live resin, and I put some other, sh like I just went crazy one night and I did way too much. And I was a little too high and I thought I was seeing shadow people in the trees and I got real paranoid and uh, I thought my dog was against me, like a hawk, you know? But when I went back inside, I was fine. Like. I was seeing colors in the elevator when I uh, went up and closed my eyes. So it was pretty cool, you know. But yeah, I mean, it definitely, uh, you know, it kind of made the movie a lot more fun. And especially in the third act, even when they uh, break through the, uh, what tells it, the parking garage and it turns into like the cartoon shit. I was just like, wow, am I high or is this actually happening? You know? Wait, so the third the third time you were watching it, you were high again? I was high again, yes. Last I night. Love the, I was dude, right dude, I love No, I'm actually not high the, right now. So. I love the commitment that you have to getting through something high. Because me personally, after falling asleep the first time, I'd probably be like, Okay, I'm gonna watch this without weed. But then you did it a second time and you fell asleep again. And at that point, I'd definitely be like, damn, do I have a substance abuse problem? But then, <laughs> but then Grant said, no, 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 fuck that. Fuck that. I'm going to do it a third time and I'm going to power through this bitch. I made and it. And you did. Yeah. I, man, hats off to you, buddy. That's You know, that's it sounds like an accomplishment the way you uh, <laughs> put it like that. So. So you yeah, I mean, definitely, us. there's other movies, I just, like that fucking Nick Cage movie, uh, Prisoners of the Ghostland or whatever, Ooh, I just I can't make it, I can't even make it through that movie, I, I've gotten yeah. high and I've tried returning to it, but I just can't, it's, Why? it's like That's a nice pretty movie, it's just, you know. I started watching Tokyo Vampire Hotel, which is the same director around the time that Nicholas Winding Refn got to do uh, Too Young to Die Old on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime was just throwing money at whoever wanted to make your little miniseries. So they gave Scion Sono the same budget and he made Tokyo Vampire Hotel, which is about a hotel that's full of vampires. Actually, that is uh, the hotel is inside of a, a giant um, vagina a giant vampire's vagina oh wow um yeah it's pretty interesting well, um, a I, haven't watched the, 
book. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. The Oh, that's something that I should tell people who are listening to this. So Grant and I know each other because Grant was a bizarro back in the day. What is uh can you explain what bizarro fiction is to our listeners? Uh, let me think which definition I want to go with. I mean, I personally think of it as an umbrella term for <laughs> yeah. weird fiction, bizarre fiction, like absurdist work, uh, new, weird, and all these other subgenres, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's pretty much how I think of it as kind of like a fun, weird fiction, you know. Right on. But yeah, that's definitely how me and David know each other. And Kelby, too. I feel like I've known Kelby for a hot minute, too, through the writer community. But, you know, obviously I've made a transition towards more crime fiction these days. So mm. I know Kelby. I picked him up at a gas station like seven years ago. He was there uh, having gay sex with truckers. Oh. And uh, I took pity on him. And I said, hey, come with me, little buddy. How kind. He's, he's, he was like, what do I got to do to get a ride from you? And I was like, it's not like that. I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to love you. And, uh, and we've been friends ever since. How kind. Yeah, we only have consensual gay sex. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's over the phone, which is kind, it kind of sucks because my voice isn't great, but Kelby's got a great phone sex voice. <laughs> you know? I'm like, oh, man tell me about your tattoos and then he describes them to me um but uh so the movie kind of got off the rails there we did get off the rails (sighs) i hate it when i get off the rails um Um, i I dropped the ball too (laughs) did you really (laughs) (laughs) oh damn dude okay well anyway welcome back kelby uh we uh are talking about first love this was this is a movie that has many different characters in it which is something that I want to talk about from a creative perspective Um, but it follows a young boxer as Grant said who finds out that he has a brain tumor um, and decides to kind of go out and kind of brood and walk around town and think about how unlucky his life is and concurrently with that story there is this young yakuza with a baby face who's attempting a very convoluted meth heist with a a corrupt cop and the heist involves a young woman who was sold into prostitution by her abusive father to pay off his gambling debts and so she's going to be used in this heist as a kind of a patsy Uh, they're going to kind of try to blame everything on her but it all goes wrong when she's running away from the corrupt cop because she thinks that the corrupt cop is her aforementioned abusive father wearing underwear and hiding under a blanket um, and runs into the boxer who decks the cop and completely fucks up their plan. And that, I think, is where I can most see the similarities to a Tarantino movie, right? It's the the incompetent... Well, actually, you know what? Instead of Tarantino, it's more like... uh, uh, Guy Ritchie, right? Like Snatch or something like that, where it's always kind of like the, the the ineptitude of the criminals leads to the the plot getting getting kind of twisted. So that's that's the basic setup for it. All of these characters, I think there's probably there's probably ten characters in this movie, maybe a yeah, dozen. There's a lot of characters. 
they all converge in a some kind of what is it a factory like a or like a storage facility or it's a like uh it's like a hardware store i had to actually oh. look it up because i was like i think it's a hardware store but then yeah you know, yeah yeah it's like okay. a big ass hardware store it's walmart i think they stole the idea from the snake hand but you should probably see probably <laughs> i like to just yeah <laughs> But so they all meet there and there's like a Yakuza guy with a katana who's fighting a one-armed Chinese dude with a shotgun and there are undercover agents. But yeah, it all it, it's a big bloodbath. Now what you vibe with most? I like the depiction of the boxer. He's just such a moody, stoic character where even the depiction of boxing, I like that too. I really hate Americanized, like over the top. Well, I love Rocky, but I'm glad they didn't do that shit in this movie. And I also think it helps highlight the rest of the movie when things get really outrageous and a bloodbath ensues because it's so realistic at first and then it slowly starts becoming more crazy and outrageous in terms of like the one-armed guy and all this extra shit going on. But but yeah, I did really like the boxer character and just how stoic he is and all he knows is boxing and this is his whole identity and yeah i just really love it and even him seeing a fortune teller and the fortune teller's like hey you know you're healthy and it turns out you know the gag is he is healthy that they fucked up his mri and the x-rays you know and i was just like wow i can't believe you know he's ready to just like throw his life away for this prostitute girl and he doesn't have to. He's not going to die, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's just pretty crazy. But I also love how that also is sort of like a catalyst and it sort of re-motivates him because he didn't really have like a real motivation for boxing. But you see towards the end of the movie, he's almost like reborn. His coach is hype and happy that he's actually got the juice and vigor to come back, you know? So I just thought it was like really great and beautiful i mean i was really high i did cry at the end of the movie and i was like am i just high or do i feel good for this kid you know <laughs> oh. the whole you know him finding out that he actually doesn't have a tumor. I think the first time that I watched it, I think I just wasn't getting all the sort of subtle things going on because, you know, you mentioned, you know, why, why is he helping this kind of uh, abandoned prostitute girl, right? And it didn't occur to me until the second viewing that he is also an orphan. He was left on the doorstep of a church when he was a kid. So they're both kind of people who've been abandoned by their parents. Yeah, and that's like how they trauma bonding to kind of connect in that way and um the me the message of the film i think is really powerful in that uh the, what the fortune teller tells him is that you know you fight and you feel all this aimlessness because you're just fighting for yourself but you have to try to fight for something other than yourself and the th thing or rather the person 
that the boxer chooses is this, you know, woman in distress. And that more than anything, more than like thinking that he had a tumor and then not having a tumor, that more than anything is, I think, what reinvigorates his life. And that's that's a great message and one that I'm finding out to be true as a new father. I was telling Rios this the other day is that like what having a kid does is, I mean, it gives you all sorts of emotions, but the most key emotion is just that like your life doesn't matter anymore, which sounds really dark and, and nihilistic, but it's actually the opposite of that, right? Because it's like, okay, bet. My, my life only matters in, insofar as this other person's life matters. And it actually just makes everything better, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all have kids, so, you know, I could definitely mm-hmm. relate. I definitely get it. Because I never, I feel like before you actually are a parent, you just don't understand uh, what that's like and what that does yeah. for you and the type of responsibility. It really shifts your view of the world where it's kind of like I'm out here by myself for a large extent of time, and now there's some little helpless baby you know, that I'm trying to help develop and raise from ground zero. How old is your kid, Grant? Uh, seven. Seven? Okay. So what was your experience like when this kid was a baby? You got any tips or pointers for, for me as the father of a five-month-old? I'm not the best at the, maybe when I'm older, because I'm still, you know, every year I feel like is a different you know, it's a beautiful thing every year, but it's also a different challenge every year because they their brain develops a little bit more. They need different things. They're also, you know, expansive. So, I mean, I think it's more so just taking it slow and not trying to overthink it because you can really overthink things as a parent and start to get guilt. But I feel like if you just try to pay attention to their needs, you know, and try to fulfill those, you'll pretty much be good. You know, and trying to be open and really patient. I feel like I've really had to become very patient as a parent. I feel like that's one of the hardest things because, you know, they got these like little kid brains and they don't know everything about the world. And it's kind of like our job to teach them all these things. So for me, I think the biggest thing is more so patience. I can't necessarily, every, like every child's different. Everyone has a different personality. So I don't think there's a one size fits all parenting guide do you consider yourself a patient person yeah yeah i mean i do think that's one of my best qualities i mean even in the military i've really had to cultivate patience and even like having people under me um and even you know in the writer community you really gotta be fucking patient sitting out a submission and waiting a whole year just to be told no you know collaborating with kelby it's like so hyped about this bro and you know we're cooking we're moving you know (laughs) but yeah i mean it takes a lot of patience but yeah i feel like being a parent has made me a lot more patient there's uh an interesting contrast between the two main characters in uh uh yasu and what's the woman's name who's who's like a psycho who's like killing everybody oh yeah i forgot her name but i did love her character what she (laughs) she does look like a vicky yeah but so there's these characters who basically keep the prostitute locked up in their apartment they're the meth dealers or whatever and when the the heist goes wrong and the baby face kase uh kills yasu 
it sends Vicky on this uh, sort of revenge rampage. And one thing that I think is so fun about Miike is the, we talked about it in previous episodes, but it's the idea that all these different characters are kind of in their own movies um, and they get their own arcs in their own ways. Because yeah. in this one, you, you have the kind of main story and then you have the Vicky's story and then you have uh, the samurai Yakuza guy who's, you know, has this blood feud with the Chinese dude. And um, they all kind of converge. But I think that what's what's interesting is that in other movies, they I think they converge much more neatly, right? Like in a snatch or a lock, stock, yeah. and two smoking barrels, right? The fun of it is seeing how all these people sort of interact but really in this i mean they just kind of all end in this shootout and there isn't like a real resolution and of course like the two main characters end up walking away but that's i mean that's just like kind of where it wraps up it's like their stories have been told so i thought that was kind of interesting yeah i thought it was dope um yeah i feel like other people would be a little too scared to do that but obviously Mika is different um, and it did just feel kind of like this gumbo of characters. And I did want to know about all of them more, even the girl on the revenge chase. And then the baby face uh, gangster, you know, once he got shot and he started rubbing fucking, what was that, yeah. meth or coke into his meth, bone? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he just couldn't feel nothing. I was like, wow, this motherfucker just got shot three times in the chest and he ain't feel nothing. You know? he, gets his arm, he gets his arm cut off and he's like I kind of felt that one that and he's like he's like trying to get the gun out of his fingers he's like it's so stiff so stiff and that's that's, uh, that's where you get more of that like Miike violent uh, sense of humor or whatever but you know it is interesting I think this would be a lot of people's first introduction because I've seen it a lot on the Amazon Prime homepage and I know that there's algorithms that are trying to tailor to me but i feel like first love is seen by a lot of uh by a lot of people and i just i wonder do they watch that and then go oh cool he's got another movie itchy itchy the killer cool let's check that one out and that kind of makes my troll spirit happy speaking of itchy the killer the gas station clerk uh, down the road was wearing an itchy the killer shirt and uh it's like the the shot where um Itchy cuts the pimp in half. It's like the the pimp's face being split open. And I was like, dude, your shirt. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, that's Itchy the Killer. He's like, yeah, no, I, I ain't seen it. And I was like, oh, okay. He's like, it's just a it's just a Supreme shirt. And I was like, man, this hype beast motherfucker <laughs> wearing an Itchy the Killer shirt. He doesn't even know. Doesn't even know. Never even watched the movie. He's like, I, yeah, he's, I guess he had heard it before. He's like, yeah, no, I should probably watch it. But I had that moment of, you know, like metal fans who see people wearing like a, a I don't know, a metal t-shirt and they're like, yeah, name their name five of their songs. I wanted to be like that. I was like, name five me game movies. You should have. You know, I should have. Been an asshole. I like the stretching of time. Like the, mm. uh, it, it tries to be, like it, felt, it feels like it tries to be formulated. So there's this constant tug of war between Mike's tendencies and sticking to this like structure. I think like a good example of that is when they introduce different characters, like the dude who uh, tries to rape the uh, Julie. 
Europe, and he's like, like Kase is, has this big convoluted plan to like fuck everybody over, basically. So he sends this other guy after the people that uh, he's trying to have the prostitute or whatever. But uh, whatever was going on, that dude is introduced. Uh, it like flashes back to like, oh yeah, so this is a guy who Kase had hired. You know, it introduces him to doing something, and then you're like, what the fuck with this guy? And then it flashes back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I, I just really liked that uh, uh, contracting and flexing of time. It sort of breaks the formula a little bit, even though it seems like it's trying real hard to be a streamlined style structure. You know, one thing, the very end where the boxer is driving the car and the dramatic police chase is happening and the gangster's in in the back and he's basically like, you could join my team. And I feel like an American movie, he would have joined and become his number three. But the guy was pretty cool and chill. He was just kind of like, okay, let's pull over. I'll take over. You get out because obviously you're not about this life. Go back to boxing. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, so I thought that was really cool. Like it wasn't, um, you know, standard American fare, you know, yeah. or yeah. predictable. And then he has that great line where he parks, and or no, he doesn't park. The cops are coming after him. He's on that big ass bridge, and the old yakuza man is like, "Sunrises are too beautiful for the wicked." Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That was a nice line. line. It's a nice little ending line there. I was like, damn. And the sky did look pretty beautiful. I was like, wow, this looks pretty yeah. nice while I'm hot. It's a good show. <laughs> <laughs> so the name of this movie is First Love. Grant, who was, who was your first love? My first love. Let me go back. Let me think. Someone else take over while I think about this real quick. Kilby, who was your first love? My first love was the streets. I'm all about that bread. <laughs> we ain't got no time for these hoes. That's the answer that I was hoping you would give. Yeah. The streets. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah, that was my first love too. Yeah. All right, cool. I'm glad we cleared that up. Uh, well, now uh, now we got 20 minutes to kill, so you guys can talk about whatever you want. That's all I got. <laughs> no, what would first love look like as a book? As a book, uh, I feel like the book would be pretty cool depending on who were to write it. I feel like if it was minimalistic, it'd be pretty dope. But if it was like some bloated Stephen King novel, I'd probably hate it. But yeah, I mean, I imagine it'd be like a pretty slow burn at first. And I think it'd be a pretty badass book. Definitely be one of those uh, James Yeah, I think that it would be so. Basically, uh, right now I'm working on a on a edit for a book that's uh, based off of a video game. So I got contacted by a person who is a uh, like who wrote all the kind of dialogue for a pretty popular video game, and he wanted he's doing it. <laughs> it is one of those. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm working with a, I'm working with Chris Pratt and. See, this this show has a two-week lag time, so we'd like to talk about topical shit on this show, and then it'd be two weeks later, and um, 
you know, everybody kind of forgot that that's what everybody was talking about. I saw a tweet today that was like, finding out that Chris Pratt is going to voice Super Mario is like the opposite of finding out that Idris Elba is going to voice Knuckles. And I wanted to tweet, like, actually the feelings should be the same which is you should be embarrassed to have an opinion about this at all <laughs> as, an, as an adult. Uh, but uh, I don't know about y'all, but man, sometimes, like, now I just look at Twitter and I just turn it off. I get, like, three or four tweets in and I'm like, oh, we're not doing this today. We're not going through this. Yeah, it's, it's definitely exhausting. It's still somewhat fun to me, but certain opinions like that where we're arguing about who's voicing fucking Mario and the gatekeepers of who should voice things you know it's just so stupid yeah yeah and people are mad because Chris Pratt I heard somebody else say like he's a anti-gay zealot I was like I don't recall seeing was like Chris Pratt out here with like a Westboro Baptist sign or something did did I did I miss something where he was an anti-gay zealot or did he just, you know, did he, does he just not follow the, the party line with stuff? Like maybe one time he said something like, oh, I don't know, gay people are weird. And that was just it. Like now you're a, now you're a zealot. Because you're never just a person with an opinion about things, right? You're a, you have to be like a white supremacist or something. I don't know. That's, apparently that's what I am. So, you know. How does that make you feel, Grant, to know that you're talking to a white supremacist? Does that bother you? You know, I mean, obviously I know it's all bullshit, so, you know, mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. you, David, very well, so, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So I'll say I wouldn't, but, you know, the internet, the way the internet just twisted that shit on you because they didn't like you being uh, anti-vaccine and anti-COVID, you know, it's just <laughs> bullshit, you know. It's just all bullshit to me. Yeah, but wait, we were talking about something else. Oh yeah, Super Mario. Um, so yeah, if you if you care about who voiced uh, Super Mario, I, I don't know what to tell you. You're just um, you're lost. You need Jesus in your life. A lot of people need to find Jesus again. I went through my whole atheistic phase, but I've come all the way back around. Not to where I follow the teachings of Jesus Christ, but I feel like more people need to. Like just just go to church. Need to do something. Yeah, I'm, you know. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm gonna go, uh, and I can't remember what Jesus says, but I I agree. I think everybody needs Jesus. Yeah, you won't find me there either. But you know, you know, whatever people want to do. <laughs> yeah. No, I just feel like when they turned away from the light of the Lord. Um, oh, by the way, I was talking to Rios the other day. I thought this was funny. My my grandma, my mamma she whenever she would get into a car she would always say that like uh please surround us with the blood of jesus right she would pray to have the car surrounded with the blood of jesus <laughs> and um i thought it would be really fun because of course gus is going to be raised um not you know christian right i'm not really sure if i'm comfortable like raising him any particular religious way but i am interested from a magic uh syncretic uh, kind of like without explaining to him what it means just be like every time we get into the car it's surrounded with the blood of Jesus and just have just have him be like what the fuck does that mean 
<laughs> You're just indoctrinating him into the occult. That's right. That's right. That's right. There's um. So Grant, you are uh, also into the occult. You're into tarot reading. What drew you to that? And tell us a little bit about what the tarot means to you. And also, if you can, what's the fortune teller in this movie doing with the sticks? What's what's all that? You know, let me address that. I don't know what the hell he's doing with the sticks. I'm going to just tell you the truth. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, I do get into other things. Like, I have other tarot decks. I have the fucking tea leaf reading kit and some other things. Um, so, I don't know what he's doing. I'm pretty sure it's legit what he does, mm-hmm. though. I don't know if I'd have the patience to learn it, but basically in junior high, I just felt kind of like lost in a way. You know, I was going to the library reading about fucking conspiracy theories and UFOs and Bigfoot, and uh, I stumbled into the occult section and it was just over. Like I started reading about dowsing and sigils and tarot cards. Oh, I got into palm reading, more so was my first thing. So I got into palm reading, that expanded my intuition. And then I was like, let me try tarot cards in high school. And that always kind of like fit. And it was just kind of crazy because I got good attention from people. And even in the military, I had like a Marine instructor worried about his kid or some shit. And uh, I remember he'd kick everyone out of the room for me to pull cards for him. You know, that's, that's how dramatic it was. Uh, this hard ass Marine, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the shit I would tell him came true. I tell a lot of people if you want to develop your intuition, get into tarot cards, get into, you can buy a pendulum, any divination tools, palm reading. Once I studied that, once you do it, start doing it frequently enough, I would literally pull cards every single fucking day now. So it's just kind of like second nature now. But even when I don't use cards, my intuition's so strong, it's kind of like I can look at a person or ask my higher self or I feel things out. So basically your higher self's kind of like a more evolved form of you outside of you, but it's still you. So you basically ask your higher self, like, higher self, um, how's David feeling, you know? And I may get... How am, how am I feeling? How am I, how are you feeling? Read me, baby, let's do this shit. Um... Let me try. I didn't know I was going to be put on the spot on the air, you know. Yep, um, yep, yep. That's what we do here. Isn't that right, Kelly? Kelly, you still with us? Yeah, yeah, no, this is like the five figures of death. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm like the fortune teller where, you know, you thought you had a tumor, but you don't, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, I mean, you feel okay. You feel a little... Uh, it's like weird, like jittery or some shit, like mm. similar to drinking coffee or energy drink or something. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of like the feeling I get from you, almost like you're ready to just take this day on, you know? Mm. Nothing that's too crazy from what I could get, though. That's really good. Yeah, I drank a whole thing of coffee, which is, that's, damn, it's dead on. It's dead on. What, what about, what about Kelby? Read, read Kelby. Kelby. Are you still in the car, Kelby? Where are you doing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, let me see, how does Kelby feel? Kelby, it's like your mind feels all over the place to me. Like, you're 
it's weird. It's like you're thinking about a lot of shit at the same time, but I think this is just the way you think. Um, I'm just kind of seeing you thinking about whatever the hell you have to do today, like work-wise, but I also see you thinking about writing and books. Um, I see you thinking about your girl. Like there's like a lot of shit you're thinking about in this month <laughs> is what I'm kind of getting. I don't ever really get like you feel upset or you feel out of sorts or anything. It's just like your thoughts are kind of like layered right now, you know? Yeah, yeah, that is how I think. Like, uh, like when you throw a bunch of shit in the Photoshop and just stack it on top of each other. That's crazy. That's good. That's good, man. Yeah, that's good. So let's say I'm asking you, hey, I want to be a personal trainer, right? And then I get the devil card. What would you say if the devil card came up? Uh, it would depend on the context. I mean, devil card, everyone thinks the devil's so horrible. It's not that bad. Sometimes the devil is just kind of like more internal where you could be feeling like really stressed out or burnt out. A lot of times I think of it as like temptation, addiction, obsession, dark thoughts, being stuck in the past. A lot of it's sort of internal and mental. It's not always bad. So like for, let's say you want to be a personal trainer, sometimes there is some passion with the devil card, but I do feel like it depends on the workplace. Like let's say you were going to work at, I don't know, Planet Fitness as a personal trainer. I may tell you there may be some temptation there. You may overwork yourself. You may feel like you want to cheat because there's some other fine personal trainer or some client that's really hitting on you, you know? Mm -hmm. So it depends, it would depend. I would need a little bit more context. I'd ask more questions like, you know, what places this you're working at and I'd be able to put it together a little bit more. The more details I have from the person I'm reading, the better I could give you. But in general, a devil card is not really bad. It just kind of depends on the uh, situation. Because even then, sometimes devil cards just like good sex, you know, mm. or just person mm-hmm. sexy. Yeah, you ever yeah, go, you go into a Planet fitness, fitness and there's like there's no like hot people, people at all and you just walk, <laughs> walk out, you know? I mean, I used to have a Planet Fitness membership, but I don't have one any longer. So maybe that's yeah. something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Place where they don't judge. Yeah. Yeah, but they really should. They really should. You know, I mean, there's sometimes like I used to go to this one and it had like nice, you know, scenery or whatever. And then uh, I started going to this other one and there was like no, it was just all dudes, right? Uh, and like not even hot guys, just like regular looking guys. And um, I just stopped going. I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. I need to feel like I'm around hot people so that I can get hot. You guys know what I'm talking about? You guys know what I'm, you guys know what I'm trying to say? You are the company you keep. Right. So you're not trying to keep yeah. the company of uh, sweatpants. Yep, exactly. That's exactly right. I, remember, I know y'all were talking about it a little earlier when I fell out, but me, Grant, David, kind of uh, a broken pepper trinity was supposed to uh, really bring reckoning to the world in 2017. Yeah. But um, there's always, what is, what is time? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's Absolutely. always time. Yeah, and eventually once you and Grant finish your collabo and uh, Kelby and I have our first draft of our collabo, 
that means you and me have to collabo, Grant. We have to we have to complete the circuit. You know, I was, I was thinking, thinking about, about this other day. I was like, this is probably just going to inevitably happen. Yeah, dude. Because uh, we're bringing we're all bringing writing back, which is really which is really fun. I uh, I saw I saw this like crime book today. I don't want to put this guy on blast because he seems like just a regular dude, um, and he doesn't deserve the full brunt of David's cruelty. But I saw this cover and it was just like butt cheeks ass, and like it was like how do I describe it without saying who this person is or what this book is? I'm trying to think. Um, it's flat. Yeah. Um, it like, looks like it was done really well. Mm-hmm. Microsoft Paint. One, one of you got to send me this cover just because yeah. I'm messy. Right. No, no, for sure. No, this is definitely <laughs> messy. But, you know, and it's like, and the, the title of it really got under my skin too because it's like, it's two words that you will often see in crime fiction, but like putting them together doesn't doesn't work. So I sent it to the group chat with Lucas and, and Kelby and I was like, this is like, the simulacra or the simulation of crime fiction now at this it's like signifiers with no signified it's just a collection of signs and and indicators and signifiers with like no soul beneath it basically and uh and the writer again just seems like this completely harmless probably okay guy but like you'll ever notice that like writers are really boring they're just like kind of boring dudes like i almost get the the kind of tired criticism of like oh it's just more straight white guys you know i mean like that normally doesn't like play for me because i'm like well, you know what do you have against straight white guys what's what's the problem with us but like but this i actually had that thought like when i saw this dude i'm just like oh you're, there's just there's just <laughs> nothing <laughs> there you know you're just a you're just like a, you're not even a real person. You know? it's like, it's like put this guy, you could like execute him with a like a line of everybody like other people like him and just feel nothing. You could just you know <laughs> just, just like stab him in the throat. <laughs> you guys, you guys know what I mean. You guys know no, what I give what you're saying. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. And it's just, you know, and the company that puts it out, I mean, like, they put out a bunch of dog shit. Um, but they've had a few a few hits as of late. Um, and it's just, like, it's all bad. And everybody has a right to write and, uh, and to suck ass at it, right? But um, it's really offensive to me that books like this continue to get made and take up my eyeball space and um i don't know actually the more and more i think about it fuck this guy fuck him (laughs) i feel like he's just on your shit list (laughs) he didn't even he didn't even do anything but his book looks so bad and it's like well david did you read any of it no you know why you know why because i have intuition bro i have intuition he's got intuition my higher David self. Pulls tarot cards I'm not making fun of you. I'm not making fun of you. I'm saying this sincerely. My higher self looks at that and knows that is that is dog shit. It's true. You know, can't question your higher self. No, no, exactly. Oh, I want to say the name of the book so bad that I'm not going to. 
I want to say the name of this book so bad. But my whole my whole thing is like write, you know, reach down inside yourself and write and and make something that's good. But if you're just doing it to like emulate a form, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, George W. Bush paints pictures of dogs and shit, and that's fine. Like he's he's allowed to do that. But I also don't have to pretend like George W. Bush is not a war criminal, right? And this guy is basically George W. Bush, right? I mean, so anyway, um, glad we stuck around for that for that rant. Because uh, it's not an episode of Agitator if I don't say something agitating, I guess. And I was being very... I go into these episodes, dude, and I'm like, you know what? This time, I'm not going to say anything mean. I'm just going to be completely cool. And then it's like... Uh, you know, it's it's like steam starts coming out of my ears, and I'm like, I gotta, I gotta say, I gotta say something fucked up. Um, so anyway, Netflix canceled uh, David Lynch's new project, which is called Wisteria, which a lot of people thought might have been Twin Peaks season four, but Netflix canceled that. So I see that, and I see this absolute dog shit that keeps getting made, and and I just. You know, it's time to do a little a little terrorism. You know what I mean? A little uh, sending bombs through the mail type stuff. You know what I mean, guys? You guys yeah. down with me on this one? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. You know, Broken River, Holy Trinity. That's right. The Broken River. I like that. Broken River, Holy Trinity. We'll bring back, uh, we'll bring back Broken River. And it'll just be like three guys. And that's it. Nobody else is allowed. I have on my website. People keep submitting books to you. Dude, I have on my website that submissions are closed, and I swear to God, I get a manuscript every week. Wow. And I keep the names of everybody who does that, like, specifically so that I can kill them one day. Right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> this hit list is too crazy. <laughs> All right. Before I say anything else incriminating, you better sign off. Grant, thanks yeah. a lot for your time, man. Come back in. No problem. Time. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Help. <laughs>